Welcome back to the CT Startup Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Dave Menard. I'm here with Eric Francis and Michael Kaufman. And we're going to interview today BookBugs.net and its CEO, David Rader. David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about uh, BookBugs.net? Sure. So BookBugs is a benefit corporation that sells children's books. Uh, we're an online uh, e-commerce provider. And for every three books we sell, we donate one to a child in need. Uh, the key product that we like to tell people about is our subscription service. Uh, in these subscriptions, your child gets a brand new book each month that's individually tailored for his or her uh, reading level and interests and favorite hobbies, favorite authors, that kind of thing. Uh, and for every three books that your child receives, we're donating one to another child locally uh, who doesn't have as much access to books. So it's a great way to help your own child learn to read better and, and get, get books that they would love to read every month. Uh, while at the same time helping another child who might not have that same kind of access to something as fundamental as books. Now, from our prior discussion, this is an entirely subscription service. You're looking at other methods of distri distribution. That's correct. So we we do sell individual books on the site. Uh, so, you know, if you know that you want to get the brand new Dr. Seuss book, you can go on today and you can go buy that uh, at bookbugs.net. We'll you, plug there. You understand that he's deceased, though, right? <laughs> I, I do. Okay, I just wanted to check. <laughs> no, he, he, he released a brand new, or his his uh, estate, literally this week, yeah, yeah. Uh, released a new one. But anyway, <laughs> you can you can do that. And we also work a lot with schools, and schools are um, buying bunches of books through us for their kids. Uh, and as a result, when they make those purchases, we donate books to those kids in their schools who uh, might not be able to have individual books uh, at home that they can read. So it's a great way to to for schools to help their kids get reading books as well. So let's go back to the very beginning. How did the idea come about? Sure. So I was uh, always taken with with uh, using business for for beneficial purposes. Um, I was a, a management consultant before this uh, and learned a lot about Tom's uh, shoes. The the great benefit corporation that donates a pair of shoes for every pair of shoes that they sell. And I thought that's really cool, but education is is something that's really fundamental to me uh, and really important to me. And how can we use that same sort of model that's been so successful for Tom's uh, to do something in education? And the idea of books came across and, and worked really, really well. It's, you know, it's something that people spend over $3 billion on each year for, for kids' books. Uh, and, and why can't we use those purchases to, to help those kids who, who don't have access? And there's, there's a lot of them. And we think that, uh, this kind of service is a great way to, you know, don't spend that $3 billion all on giant for-profit corporations. Spend them helping kids, uh, who don't otherwise have books to get them. So is, uh, children's books a, a big industry or what? Yeah. So like I said, it's about $3 billion. In fact, a little bit more is spent every year, um, on children's books. So if you do the math, it's something like, like in the neighborhood of 30 million kids books, um, sold each year. So, you know, if certainly it's a long way off, but you know, if, if each of those books was sold in the same sort of model that BookBugs uses, mm -hmm. we could donate 10 million books every year to, to kids who don't have books. It make a huge difference yep. um, in, in communities. So I assume you don't have like a big warehouse full of books, right? <laughs> That's correct. We, we, uh, so we have, we're able to give access to virtually any book, um, that's, that's been published because we work with a distributor who does all that warehousing for us. Nice. Uh, so you place your order with us and we're going to pass it on through them, uh, so that that's who's sending it to you. 
But your proprietary stuff is really your algorithm, right? It's what determines what book the, the child would be interested in and their reading level, what an increased leaving reading level would be. Exactly, exactly. So there's a system called Lexile Learning that that ranks every book that's literally uh, uh, over 200,000 books that have been written mostly for kids uh, and, and applies to each of them a reading score. And so what we do is we say, okay, your kid's in third grade. He should be at this reading level. Uh, and you tell us if he's a little above, a little below, and we can kind of adjust for that. Then what we do is we ask for your child's favorite books, favorite subjects, all that sort of thing. And we use that same... Uh, algorithm that 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 chooses the uh, reading level, we also cross-reference it with their favorite types of books. Um, and what we do is we only select from a a limited set of books. It's a it's a large limited, but you know, ten thousand or so books by authors who have won major awards, Newbery Awards, Caldecott Medals, all those kinds of things. And that's how we ensure that the books that your child is receiving are great books. They're books that your kid's going to be excited about. They're going to match his interests. They're going to match uh, his reading level. And it's going to be it's going to keep him excited every month about reading and, and continuing to grow and get better. And how long would a child stay in this program? Well, if you ask me, they're the rest of their life. <laughs> uh, but no, we, we've found that it makes a great gift for, for young kids. We can start with, um, you know, all I know is my child is two years old um, and he can't put down this book about animals. Um, so, you know, if you could send him more books that have animals as the main character and are in rhyme, that would be great. And we can do that and we'll keep them going. And as that child changes, you can sort of change up those preferences and say, oh, well, now he's really into dinosaurs or now he's really into um, knights and castles and that kind of thing. And we can do that and we can go and we can stay with him theoretically throughout high school. Now, we don't have as many high schoolers who are who are as interested in it um, in, in getting new books all the time. But uh, elementary school, middle school um, is is really, you know, the sweet spot for us because those kids, it's harder to shop for them. It's harder to find brand new books all the time. And this is a way to ensure that not only is it going to be brand new books, but it's automatic. It's going to be books that they love um, and that, that hopefully that excite them. Actually, I really hadn't thought about it, but I suppose the increase in young adult fiction, which is extremely mm -hmm. popular these days, yeah. uh, would sort of expand your ability to cater towards high school yeah. students. That's right. We've been looking at that a lot as, as you know, when we started this, we thought that the biggest opportunity is definitely in that, let's say, a, a third grade kind of sweet spot level, elementary school kids. Uh, but now more and more, it's great. More and more kids in those higher levels are, are reading thanks to a lot of these young adult books that, uh, that, that are so popular that have dominated both, both books and, you know, becoming movies. And every time they make a new Hunger Games movie, the Hunger Games books sell like crazy. Uh, and that helps us a lot as well and keeps kids, you know, think what you want of the movies and, and, and all of that. Um, it does a great service of inspiring that age level kids to continue reading. Yeah, there's no doubt Edward Cullen yes. did, a, did a number for you guys. <laughs> I was about to say, Sparkling like, vampires. And... <laughs> that was a great right. another Twilight movie. Yeah. <laughs> great. So <laughs> is, is Goosebumps still around? Are they still, is R.L. Stein still publishing? Uh, is he putting out new books? Not as many as, as when, when we were younger. <laughs> what a shame. Those books are great. You're Let's talking about say, Tom Hardy and stuff. Come on. Oh, I was going to say Harry Potter. I mean, when, those, when the Harry yeah. Potter books oh, yeah. came out, it was such a phenomenon. On. And people said, wow, kids are reading that never read before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Harry Potter led to the creation of a lot of new young adult fiction. And, you know, again, it was afterwards it became the Hunger Games and uh, what's that, the Divergent series and sure. so on. Yeah. So, 
It was a funny moment. So I, I would say like Harry Potter was one of the biggest books to get me into into reading. Now, it, when it actually was turned into a movie, that was an interesting moment for me because I was pronouncing Hermione Hermione the entire time. <laughs> so that was that was a strange moment. Yeah, I actually listened to all of those on on tape. Uh, with, like my Cheater. mom. Well, my mom just listened to them on, on tape in the car, and I was, when I was with her, I would have it on. So I mean, <clears> I. Li- I I listened to, but not the entire, like all the books. And but I, I still got it because then I watched sure. the movies and it all came you together. You think you got it? But if you'd actually read the books, it would be different. <laughs> I read all the I read all the Lord of the Rings. All right, I did that. So well, actually, see now I want to check my reading level. Maybe I'm a good candidate for bookbugs.net. I can sort of it sit might in that start out level. On, on Twilight. It might. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is so I assume all all fiction, right? No, no, like nonfiction or what? No, not entirely. So. So in those books, it really depends on what you list. So if you list your child really likes, um, you know, only fantasy novels, then then mm-hmm. we're probably not going to try to graduate them into mm-hmm. other things. And, and I don't even like to use the word graduate, but we do sort of, you know, we send a book. If you're, we get kids love animals all the time, and so if you tell us your kid has really liked all these books about. Uh, you know, fictional characters who are mice, we may eventually send them a book that says like, hey, here's some really interesting uh, fact book about mice um, or, or whatever it is that they're they're interested in and try to give them that. We're not going to send that to them every month. This isn't this isn't meant to be like a textbook kind of a yeah. uh, idea. <clears throat> the idea is to keep them excited about reading. And if we think a nonfiction book will excite them, absolutely, we'll send it. Uh, but but our main goal is to get books that challenge them and excite them about reading. So is, is this your first startup? This is my first startup. Yes. All right. So let's do it. All right. So you have this great idea. How'd you get started with it? Yeah. So I was, uh, I was, like I said, I was a management consultant in Boston and was still doing that, um, for a while as we sort of vetted the idea, d- found out that we don't have to buy a warehouse. Uh, <laughs> uh, so determined that it was a feasible concept, started it while I was still working um, and, and the firm where I was at was, was helpful enough to allow me to, um, uh, to, to sort of transition off of active cases and, and test out this idea uh, while, while still getting paid, um, which, is, which is very different than, than most startup uh, experience. Uh, and so anyway, I was able to, to get it off the ground. We had a pretty successful holiday season last year. And at that point, it was sort of like, hey, this is a real thing. P- parents like it. We had a um, we had a uh, one of our subscribers happens to write a, a parenting blog, a mommy blog, if you will, uh, and and she loved it. She wrote, she asked us if she could write about the service. She said, "My kid gets so excited about books now, um, and and it's all thanks to you guys." And it was that was a big moment for me of, "Hey, we should be doing this full time. I should be focusing on this and um, finding other readers who we can give that experience to." And uh, and that's so so eventually quit my job at Bain and and started doing this full time to to you know to help grow it and find um partners who we could donate to uh, and more and more customers obviously so so just you you have co-founders what yep so at the time there were three of us one has since uh rolled off to 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 go work on a further stage startup um but my other co-founder who is still with us uh actually works for the government he's in washington um he kept his full-time job does this let's say 20 hours a week uh and then i work on it full-time okay so was it difficult when the person left? I think it's always an interest to our listeners and to anybody's interest in startups is how do you deal with these transition yeah. situations? And uh, we've talked about it before. It's not uncommon for one of the early founders to sort of shave off and go do something else. Sure. 
Yeah, so it was important to us. So he was our tech guy. So so that was a, a challenge. Um, but the truth was, we're an e-commerce company. There's so many solutions out there today to, to do e-commerce that you didn't necessarily need a full-time CTO. We liked having one, and we're now looking for one again just because it's helpful as we as we grow. Uh, but we just had, you know, some honest conversations and we're still close. We, we, you know, he kept 1% of the company in order to, you know, to, because he gives us kind of advisory services, uh, from time to time. Uh, I think the most important lesson from that for us was just to, uh, to, to, to be able to think about what role he can have going forward and how to keep him, um, you know, not doing this 20 hours a week, but what can we, what do we need from him? Uh, as we kind of go our separate ways, what can he do to help us? You know, we have an intern this summer that he actually did the first um, interview for and and has provided some of the feedback along the way on, on the technical side. So it's been important to have had those conversations and just be honest um, and keep up good relationships with with frankly with everyone, but but especially with people who um, you know help build the back end of your code. So where do you go from here? What's the success for you? Yeah, yeah. so uh, this summer has been really interesting. We had our first major school system, Green Dot Schools, which is an enormous charter school system in California, uh, bought a whole bunch of books from us. They're recommending us to, to, uh, to, to donors and, and, and supporters and that kind of thing um, in, the, in the coming back to school and holiday season. Uh, huge thing for us. So we're trying to find other schools and working with other organizations um, to donate more and more books and to and obviously to sell to to their kids um, first. So we we have a big program where we're in the process of of rolling out with uh, an organization in Hartford called Compass uh, Compass Youth Collaborative, who we donated some books to last year. Uh, we last year we donated one book to every child at one of their several schools that they that they work with. Uh, and our goal for this year is to sell is to donate a book to every single child uh, at a compass school. Uh, to me, that's a success. We we measure our success. We're a benefit corporation, so so as you know, we measure our success in two ways. One is in our sales and in the top line uh, revenues. But then the other is, that's equally important to me and to to our team is how many books that we donate. How many kids who never owned a book in their life now own a book because of our company. Um, and at, and at Compass, you know, they just found out they I literally had lunch with them today. Uh, and they were telling me that the school where we did all the donations actually exceeded many of their, um, uh, peer schools in terms of reading levels and, and literacy. So we were, that's a success to me. The, to know that, that in some small way, our donations played a role, uh, in that school performing better. Um, that's what, that's what matters. That's what we do this for is to, is to help those kids. Um, in addition to our customers, who is it, who are obviously extremely important to us, and we serve them well, um, but it's sort of a, a two-pronged approach of helping both those kids who don't have access to books and those who can afford it and are therefore buying it through us. Now, both you and and your still current partner um, mm-hmm. are from Connecticut. That's correct. Right? Yep. And but you've gone on. I mean, you're still helping here in Connecticut, but you've gone on to. I think you're based in New Hampshire at the moment. Yep, actually moving to to just outside of Boston. Okay. And so, has can you tell us about sort of the difference between you think of working in Connecticut and working outside of Connecticut yeah. in terms of the startup? Sh- sure. So Connecticut's been fantastic. Um, we've gotten to know a, a lot of people in the startup scene here. Um, there's, there's so many people in the state and in this area that are interested in, in helping startups and building a, an ecosystem, um, here around startups. 
Uh, and I would also say, especially in this kind of space, you know, in, in the benefit corporation world, it's been so easy to find uh, partners who, who are interested in helping us get the word out and, and, uh, and donate books. We're working with Connecticut Association of Schools and we've worked with the Connecticut PTO to get the word out to, to the right people to say, here's a, a fantastic alternative to places like Amazon. If you don't want your, your profits, your bottom line to go to, to giant corporations, um, here's a, here's a benefit corporation that's giving back, uh, instead of, instead of, you know, <laughs> making billions and billions of dollars, which would also be nice. Uh, <laughs> but, but, um, that ecosystem and, and the people that have been interested in helping us through that have been fantastic. Uh, Boston's a totally different city. It's, it's great in many ways and the education landscape there. Um, is, is fantastic. It's been super helpful to us. We're working with, uh, Cradles to Crayons, a major, um, charity in the Boston area to, to donate books to their kids. Uh, but Connecticut's home for me and, and kind of always will be. Um, and so to, to work with organizations and, and find, um, investors and, and schools and customers, partners in Connecticut, um, has been great and, and is always going to be important. So when it comes to schools, so you're saying, you know, first you're talking about doing a subscription service for to the parents, right? Sure. It, but the schools, I mean, are you selling all like coming in and selling them all their books for all their classrooms, kind of a thing, like a like you know, almost a textbook company, kind of a thing? Yeah, sort of. So we don't we we try not to sell too many actual textbooks, but if they want to buy, you know, we treat them like any other customer. Um, it, so if you want to buy for, you know, a hundred copies of To Kill a Mockingbird for your, for your classes, um, you know, come onto our site and, and we'll do it. We'll sell you a hundred copies of To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we'll donate 33 books to kids in need in your school. Or, um, if you don't, some of the wealthier districts have said, well, how about actually instead you actually donate them to, um, kids like these kids in the Compass schools in Hartford, uh, to give the books away. So, you know, we treat them like a regular customer. We know that they buy a lot of books and, um, and, and we like to build their trust by saying, look, we, we just served you a hundred copies of Killing Mockbird. We were, you know, you had no problems. Our prices are good. It's cover price. Everything's, everything works. Yep. Um, let your parents know. And now if they want a subscription, $10 a month to help their child get a brand new book that they're going to love every month. No work to, involved in it. Yeah. Um, it's a great way for the schools. We, we hope the schools will endorse us um, and be sort of that that gateway to to mm-hmm. letting parents know about a great service. Now, explain to me like the difference between going after the the kind of the parents and then going after the schools. I mean, I assume that's a completely different sales cycle. It, the whole thing, <laughs> you know, and so it is. It, you know, it, it's and both are fun and different challenges. Uh, so with parents, we're trying to work to do. Things like social media and other ways of finding them where they are. Um, a lot of it's been word of mouth. You know, we've, we've, people, people like buying from us. You don't, you know, I think, I think just going back to Amazon for a second, I think the difference between when someone buys from us and when someone buys from Amazon is when someone buys from Amazon, they don't really care to tell their friends about it. When someone buys from us and they know, look, I just bought three books, which means this child who has never owned a book in their life is going to have the first book that they've ever owned. They want to tell their friends and they feel good about that. And they should. Uh, and, and we certainly feel great about it on their behalf. Um, so, so we hope that that word of mouth is going to help mm-hmm. us. Uh, when it comes to schools, schools are really interesting. They all have a budget for things like books and, and what happens is you talk to the people who are, um, who are involved in this, in, in, uh, in making those purchasing decisions. And all of them want to buy from benefit kind of cor- corporations. 
um, or co- corporations that have a really strong social message. Um, and so, and so when we start having those conversations, they're going to, they often say, wow, I, I would just love to buy from you rather than our usual source because I know that it's going to go back. I got into education to help others. Uh, and so, and so when they hear about what we're doing to help others, that's what they're interested in. Is, is there a premium cost problem? I mean, do you have to, do you charge more than say Amazon does for a book? So, yeah. So that's been probably one of the most fascinating puzzles for me is to figure out what should we be pricing? How can we do the pricing? So, what we what we settled on is we can charge cover price um, for every book. So if you if you're coming on, you're never going to be asked to pay more than the standard cover price for a book. What Amazon often does is they're going to ch- they're first of all you got Amazon Prime as a way to get it uh, mm-hmm. a little bit you know they, they don't pay for shipping um, or or they'll give a little discount. So what we do is we give discounts through the partners that we work with. So, for instance, if you wanted to buy a book that was going to benefit Compass in in Hartford, um, you know, books you can use the discount code books for the number four Compass C O M P A S S, uh, and you're going to get ten percent off of that, and that puts us roughly on par with with Amazon's prices. Okay. If we end up being fifty cents more, so be it. We're, we're donating a book to charity um, uh, for your purchases. So, so that's how we've kind of competed with that. When it comes to schools, we sometimes will give a little bit of a bigger discount depending on what they're buying um, and that kind of thing. Yeah, that sounds perfectly reasonable. I was curious because sometimes, especially school systems, are under a lot of financial pressure. Absolutely. They'll pick the lowest yep. you know, price yep. that they can get. But if you can get it pretty close to that and still donate. That's exactly right. As, as uh, schools have told us, tie goes to, to book bugs. Um, you know, they, like I said, they would rather buy from a company that's going to give back. And if we can make the argument that you're not only getting these books that you were going to buy anyway, um, but now in addition to buying them, we're going to donate books to your kids, um, to kids who need them, mm-hmm. to kids who wouldn't have reading books at home. That's what that's exciting to us and exciting to them. You get a third more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you buy, exactly. You, buy a a hundred, free ones. you buy 100 books, you're going to give 33 and a third, and that one kid <laughs> yeah, is stuck exactly. with the third book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just really How wants to finish. What happens to Atticus Finch? I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm curious, what happens to the business model with um, e-books? You know, mm-hmm. all these kids reading on their phones or their iPads right. or their Nooks. Right. So so one of the first things we had to think about was was that. And so we looked at a lot of data on what do parents – so we thought about it as – how do parents want to buy books? Um, and overwhelmingly, like eight to one, nine to one, um, parents would rather buy for their kids, would rather buy physical mm-hmm. books. And I think that works. You know, you can picture someone on, uh, you know, having a child on their lap reading that kind of thing. Uh, but we can eventually go into ebooks as well. Mm-hmm. It also, the other advantage for us is because we want you to think about, you know, when you buy uh, books from us or wherever, um, to the the act of donating as well, and so when we donate, it's harder. Kids don't have in in poor neighborhoods don't have an iPad, um, so we we're gonna donate physical books, and we want you to sort of see almost visually see that you know this is what your child has, this is what the other child has. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awkward sign. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, cause I'm just thinking is like is like geez, no. <clears throat> Obviously, the older kids, right? So you're saying your kids usually come out like a high school range. They stop kind of using it. Yeah. Right. Kind of a thing. Cause I, was, I was just thinking, I was like, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, I buy a lot of books, but, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. if I could buy three books, then donate one, you right, know, kind of right. a thing. Cause I mean, r- realistically, I buy mine from Amazon mm-hmm. to get into the Kindle or it's yeah. Audible. 
Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. So is there listen? What about what about audio? Audible? Yeah, audible. Sure. So uh, another thing, we actually do sell some on our uh-huh. site. We don't include them in subscriptions. Subscriptions tend to be we, subscriptions, which are definitely the, the, the product that people, I think, recognize yeah. us for the most, are definitely focused on the physical books because that's just so much easier for the customers. Yeah. Um, audiobooks we sell, uh, things like, things like, uh, books for, for adults. That's sort of, we've always thought, you know, few years down the line, as we, as we succeed, we could very easily open a sister site that does the, you know, same model, um, same distributor. In fact, yeah. everything that we, we do, do doesn't have to change that much to offer it for adults, but we wanted to focus first on getting that message right, getting something that, that's great for kids. Um, and where we can learn the most from that about that market, uh, which is where we're also going to be donating. So it it, it just it feeds on itself very yeah. well. And I mean, obviously, going after kids is is important because I mean, to be honest, it's one of the one of the biggest like things that gets me is when I talk to friends or, or I run into some people mm-hmm. and be like, oh, what book? You did, you know, right. what was the last best book you read? Kind of a thing. And people are like, book. You know, like I haven't read a book <laughs> since high school. Which which is like the, there's those stats, right? That like how many people never read a book after. Right high school never read a book after college kind of thing and it's like crazy i mean i, I used to be one of those people i'm not gonna lie but once you get back into reading i mean it's right. just it's just like a waterfall you just eric, like, eric, eric you're just not hip now it's what are you watching on netflix <laughs> well no I, <laughs> I mean, trust me i've been running through i've been running through episodes <laughs> i think i think everyone goes through times when when they get away from from reading but i think and i think it's most important to 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 read to your own kids or to to get your own kids reading <clears throat> on their own um, when they're young and there's so many studies about uh, everything from um, the number of books in your house uh, when you're when you're you know preschool age um, to the frequency with which you read books and how these things impact your future um, uh, likelihood to go to college likelihood to mm-hmm. stay out of prison all those kinds of things and we think that. So for your own child's sake, as as a customer, this is a great way to to develop that pattern of reading. P- parents have told us how excited their kids get when they when they um, get a package in the mail with their name on it, and it's a book. All the better because now they're going to read that because they got excited about mm-hmm. it in the first place. And we like to think about the flip side of that, which is again getting back to the donation stuff, which is that you know there's a lot of kids that 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 don't have any books that don't have that access which is obviously so important to their future uh ability to to go to college mm-hmm. and and all that and so you know developing that habit by donating books to them by by getting you a brand new book each month it just develops that habit and ability to read regularly and and mm-hmm. and at least through the early years before uh, so everyone myself included goes through phases of of not reading as much but we want it to be um for the younger kids especially uh, you know, very easy and and low hassle process for parents to to yeah. have books just coming to them that their child will love. Is there is there any market for like the reused books? Like like are you kind of thinking about that as well? Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking because my sister's had a baby, right? Mm-hmm. And she just got a bunch of books right to her. I mean, you know, right. the baby shower she's coming home with all these books, right? And obviously, in a couple of years, they're <laughs> yeah, <laughs> her kids yeah. gonna run through. So, them, so so we've done a couple of things with that. Um. And, and by the way, we, we do have a way to do a personalized baby shower kind of stock the shelf party, as really? we call it, uh, where you can list the books that you want. And, and it's a great way to, you know, if you buy, let's say, 21 books and we're going to donate seven to a charity of your choice. So, hey, baby showers is another <laughs> awesome one for us. <laughs> um, 
but but to your point about the the donations of used books, so we actually originally had thought, hey, we'll just do what Netflix used to do with DVDs and and mm-hmm. just sort of circle them around. Turns out that the for in many in the case of many books, um, it's actually cheaper to just buy a new book um, for for our, from our distributor. Um, it's not actually cheaper, but it's close enough that the difference that between you getting a new book that you're really excited about, perception of you, a used book, exact, or something. exactly. Yeah. You don't because they, they get frayed really quickly. Right. Um, we might as well just send out the the new ones every time. But um, we have a we're we're getting a PO box set up where people can send books that they want to donate, uh, and and we'll send a little discount back to you for for donating the book um, as sort of a thank you from our partners uh, nice. for for the donation. So I wanted to bring up your website for a moment. Yep. I, I had the opportunity to look at it, and and first of all, everybody should check it out because it bookbugs.net um, because it has this huge, it has a very large picture on the front of a of a little girl trying to read a hardcover book, and she has these huge glasses on, and it's extremely cute. Um, but I, I did notice that you had you know you mentioned your baby shower gift bundles yep. and yep. such, and um, your your many book subscriptions. There there were there were two: is a paperback and a hardcover. Right, right. How, how long do those subscriptions cover? So there's two different ways to buy it. So there's you can get either like you said either a paperback or a hardcover, and then within those two, you can get either a monthly a month to month or a year to year subscription. Okay. So if you buy the yearly subscription that that goes for twelve months, you get twelve books. Um, a couple little surprises along the way. We, we like to, you know, do something for your birthday, occasionally send a second book. Um, uh, but for that, that's $10 a month, and that goes till the end of one year. If you get it month to month, you just want to try it out and, and you know, not not sure you want to do it for forever, but that's uh, that ends up being about $12 a month. Um, and, and all that's after shipping. Uh, uh, shipping is included in those prices. Um, um, and that, you know, goes month to month. It's an automatic renewal uh, until you cancel it. Uh, I, I would suggest that if you want to do it a year to year one is, is certainly cheaper. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but a little, a little bit more risk. So, um, there's, there's those two different ways. The hardcover version is going to be your, you know, it's hardcover books. It's, it's new releases, that sort of thing. Uh, we think that you can do really well with, with the paperbacks, getting kind of those, um, books from that are frankly not that old, but, but many, again, these are all, Caldecott, Newberry Honor, Geisel Award-winning books um, that uh, that your kid's going to love and that maybe you haven't heard of. I also noticed you got an A plus here from the Sandwiches and Psych yeah. Meds blog. It's a great name for a blog, by the way. It, it is a great <laughs> name for a blog. Um, I, I'm not sure where they write books next to the Psych Meds. Um, <laughs> they have a nice selection of each, uh, but <laughs> yeah. So, so she's actually uh, she's one of the mommy bloggers that's that's written about us. She's actually a teacher, um, in addition to a mother <laughs> of two. Uh, and, and funny, I, I thought you might be going in this direction with the um, with the child with the giant glasses. Um, this, this was not the intent from that picture, but, uh, we, we do try to serve kids, um, to some degree with, with learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. One of our partners is uh, an organization called the Allen, uh, sorry, the Lee Pesky Learning Center. It's in, in Idaho. Um, and they serve kids with learning disabilities. Um, and what they have found is that the ability, you know, especially, and, and the point of all this was that sandwiches, psych much, one of her children has, um, a, a learning disability and we were able to send books that got that child excited about reading and you know it's important for all kids you know any 10 year old six year old two year old to be excited about what they're getting uh in the mail and to read but for a kid with a learning disability it's even more important um and the ability to send them something that really resonates with that child and gets that child who 
admittedly is going to struggle a little bit more to read the book, to be excited about it, to have that level of enthusiasm about the books that they're getting. Um, she, like you said, said, <laughs> gave us a, gave us an A plus, um, and, and many others have as well to say, you know, this is a, um, a great way to, to keep those kids, all kids, but especially those who, who might be less inclined to be excited about reading, uh, to keep them motivated and keep them trying and pushing on, on their reading. And is that something you ask about when you're trying to get the initial information on the child? We, so we have a space for, for sort of anything else we should know. Um, and then we do have a, so, so you fill out the survey and you can say, um, you know, my child reads at reading, what's your child's reading, reading, uh, grade level. And then my child reads at grade level, a little above, a little below, way below, way above, uh, that kind of thing. And so from there, you know, we can kind of extrapolate, okay, they, they might have, um, some issues that we need to yeah, kind of send them content that they're going to be particularly excited about and, and can keep going with. So what has been, uh, the biggest challenge in getting started? Oh man, just one. <laughs> yeah. Let's start with one. Yeah. So, uh, for me, getting a customer base is really hard. So we're in the consumer market, and I my, my previous experiences have have primarily been in um, business to business kinds of relationships, where the market is these few big major um, companies, and you know you get one or two of them to bite, and and you're good. Getting individual customers is much more difficult. Uh, and so we have to go, like I said, social media, we have to, or, or hoping that, that our customers are going to tell all their friends. And we've, we've done well with that, but getting that off the ground and, and getting the word out there in the first place, um, is a huge challenge. And I think as an entrepreneur, you have to be thinking about sales and, and, and grow and growth, um, from day one, especially in a business like this, um, and you just have to be relentlessly focused on it. Uh, and so for me, it was a bit of a challenge to get those first few sales. But let me tell you that when you start to hit some of your goal, the first time an organization says, uh, we, had, we had an organization in New York who did this, who said, uh, we love what you're doing. We would love to tell our, our people about you. We'd love to buy a bunch of books for our kids through you. And, you know, the first time you get one of those big kind of breakthrough moments of, hey, customers really get this and customers are really liking this. Um, or when, or when a customer reaches out and says, I want to write about you on our blog, is that, is that okay? Um, first of all, of course, that's okay. If any others <laughs> want, to, want to write about us. Uh, uh, but, but that's so exciting. And that's getting past that initial challenge of, of are people even going to notice that we exist? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and are people going to love the concept as much as we think they will, as much as our, our theory was that they would? Is that, is it going to work? And when you first start getting that, kind of feedback and, you know, an A-plus from a blogger and blo other bloggers who want to reach out and, and want to write about you and organizations that want to tell their, you know, 10,000 students uh, about how great it is to buy from you guys. That's, those are the, the moments that kind of make it worth it. And if there was one piece of advice that you could pass on to other entrepreneurs in whatever field yeah. they're at that you think that you've learned and you'd like other people to know to maybe avoid some issues. Yeah. I, I think... Well, maybe maybe an easy way to answer that is don't try to avoid issues. You're going <laughs> to you're going to run into so many. Um and I think I think the key for us has been, you know, take them on head on and and think and look, there are things that that could have sunk us on, you know, a month in. 
Um, and for us, it was having honest conversations with Greg, who, who ended up leaving the organization, um, Ryan, who's my co-partner that, that we work, work on it with. We developed a really good um, uh, set of advisors um, who, are, who are still with us today um, and bouncing ideas off of them and getting word from them. And I, I think surrounding yourself with people you trust and being willing to be completely open and say to them, this is a make or break moment for us. And if this doesn't work, we're done. Uh, those things are critical. And that ability to to have those candid, open conversations and, and learn from them and learn from um, the people that you're working with who, who if you do it right, are, are smarter than you are, um, is is just critical. And that's they've get, given us many of our best ideas, our best um, contacts, our, our ways around problems that are that are substantial to our business. Uh, and it's been those those relationships and those conversations that have really um, been the most important thing for us, I think. Great. So would you uh, would you go back? Would you go back to uh, <laughs> to working working with the big guys? I you know, <laughs> I think uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to give like a really more in depth answer, but <laughs> I think I think no pretty much sums it up. I I love what we're doing. I love the impact that we can make. I love being able to decide, um, you know, how we're going to run our business. Even we, we spoke to an investor at one point that we had to turn down because he wanted us to change the, um, um, the giving model of what we were doing. And, and I get to decide that now. And, and boy, when I called up my partner and said, Ryan, I, I think we got to tell him no. Um, that was a scary moment. <laughs> that was the first guy who ever came forward to us and said, I'd like to put money into your company, but you got to do this. And when we had to say no, that was, that was frightening. Um, but, Man, I, I'm so glad that we did, and I'm I'm so glad going forward that I have the ability to make those kinds of decisions and say this is the type of business that I want to run, and it's gonna it's gonna give books to kids, and and people love the subscription service. Basically, he said I love the subscription service on its own. Um, you don't need the giving element. Well, the giving element is what's important to us. <laughs> we uh, started with the giving, and then we put a product exactly. on top of it. <laughs> That's exactly right. Like, <laughs> That's exactly what it was. It was. It was. How do we keep customers coming back so that we can donate more books? Yeah. Uh, and and I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. That's. That's not really negotiable. Uh, for us. And so being able to make those kinds of, this is this is an, a a non-starter for us. Being able to have those kinds of decisions mm. is fun and scary and i'm probably wrong about 99 percent of the ones that i that i make but uh uh it i'm enjoying it i'm learning a ton and um to go back and and you know have to 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 do things differently would not be would not be nearly as as exciting to me yeah that's great there's certainly a difference these days um with the increase of benefit corporations the availability of the benefit corporation Mm -hmm. entity type um in a number of states and uh as it expands you know there's definitely going to be a stratification between investors and impact investors. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. you know, we're, we're all going to see how that plays out. But I think it, you, you know, there, there's definitely clearly a place for investors who want to invest in impact companies that have a social mission and a social benefit. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, if you need investment, you'll, you'll find someone that comes to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and those investors, and we've found several of them, uh, already for, for conversations at least. And, and, they kind of accept that, look, our margins are at times going to be uh, a little bit smaller. Um, but we think that that does two things. One, you can focus on the impact and, and think about this as, 
you know, you're giving to sort of a, a charity-like organization that is self-sustaining and whose profits kind of keep driving additional um, donations. And then the other side of it is, yeah, our margins on each individual book might be a little bit smaller, but it's off of a larger, we think the potential is that we'd be off of a larger total revenue stream because customers love what we're trying to do. Sure. And so, you know, would you rather make 50% margins off of $10 of sales or 10% margins off of $1,000 in sales? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's the difference for us. So it doesn't sound, so this is going off to Benefit Corporation is that, you wouldn't have left your job to start a nonprofit that gave away books, would you have? Uh, you know, I've, we thought about that a lot, and and I think I think the answer is no, and I think it's more like I find the business world a fascinating challenge, and I find I didn't want to be um, someone who has to go raise uh, nonprofit money um, donations frequently. It's just it's just not how I'm wired. Um, I wanted to build something that could self-sustain and could and could be um, uh, could could make the same kind of an impact. And so when we read about companies like Tom's and and all the other to, to your point, all the other uh, benefit corporation movement in the world right now, uh, it was hey, here's this opportunity. Why isn't anyone doing it with books? This is this is a perfect product market fit. And so um, um, that's that's kind of where we came at it from that that angle. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, David, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, thank you guys for having me and letting us get the word out about BookBugs. Well, keep us updated because we like to keep the audience updated as to what the companies that come on here do. And, uh, you know, as things develop, maybe we'll have you back. That sounds great. Thank you very much. And thank you to all your listeners as well. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Thank Jim. you very much. Thank you. You've just listened to the CT Startup Podcast. You can find us on iTunes or check out our webpage at ctstartup.com where you can find all our social media links. And please, please leave us your feedback. Special thanks to our production team, Kate Rupart, Dylan Gilliatt, and Kevin Dobis, as well as our equipment and marketing sponsor, Murtha Kalina, LLP.